This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally. He is Matt Williamson. And uh, Matt, it's a Friday in Pittsburgh. It's the Friday after the Super Bowl. Uh, So we've we've now had a week to kind of divest ourselves and, and, and move away from the end of the season. But now we're, you know, we're a little less than a month away from the start of free agency. Uh, we got a couple of weeks or less than two weeks to the, to the NFL scouting combine. So lots of stuff yeah. starting to happen here. And uh, one thing happened for the Steelers, a couple of things, actually, I don't, we really didn't talk about this either. So okay. uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks, Brian Flores is hired as a defensive coordinator for the, the Minnesota Vikings. We did talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then on Wednesday of this week, uh, John Mitchell, longtime Steelers assistant coach, retires. Uh, Mitch had been with the team for 29 years. Uh, really, you know, for a, a long time, he was the defensive line coach who built, you know, the the Blitzburg style yeah. defense of, of the 2000s. Um, you know, it was Dick LeBeau's defense, but John Mitchell, you know, helping craft, uh, you know. Casey Hampton and Aaron Smith and Brett Kiesel and, you know, those, those kind of players, uh, Chris Hoke, uh, turning those right. guys into a, uh, you know, one of the better defensive lines in the league. You couldn't run against the Steelers. No. First of all, I think it's miraculous. The longevity, some of the members of this organization have particularly coaches, cause it just doesn't happen anywhere else. You know I mean? To put in 29 years or, Dick Hoke or the head coaches, or, I mean, some of the guys that have just been stalwarts of this organization and coach Mitchell might be somebody, you know, our listeners don't even know who he is, you know, <laughs> I mean, some of the guys that are under the radar a little bit, there's some of the old line coaches, things like that is just amazing to me. And I mean, as you were saying that, I just sat, sat there thinking you listed four really good players, Hoke, Aaron Smith, Kiesel, Hampton. Hampton was a first round pick. The other guys were undrafted, <laughs> yeah. seventh, fifth. I mean, Aaron Smith was like, correct me if I'm wrong, he was like 260 when they drafted him, right? Uh, he was like more like 270, 280. He, I mean, he, he spent a year on scholarship. You know, I, I actually yeah. talked to him. I, I wrote a story about it uh, t- today uh, oh, okay. on Steelers.com, my five for Friday. Um, you know, he was, he was a mid-round draft pick out of, you know, northern Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh was a productive player in Northern Colorado, but he had to learn to play the way the Steelers wanted to, him to play. And, you know, he's, he's like that first year, he thought, he thought that uh, Mitch hated him. <laughs> he's like, he was constantly riding me and, you know, it was just, he would, he would kind of break you down as a player and then rebuild you to do what he wanted. And, and, and you know, Smith said that that everything he became as a player, he credits to John Mitchell, uh, you know, in the 13 right. years he spent in the league. He said and not just that, but he, he called him a father figure, uh, wow. you know, a guy that that had that kind of impact on his life. Uh, I can imagine. I mean, from what I remember of Smith as a draft prospect was four, three up the field guy. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and they just kept bulking him up and he kept learning the techniques. And, and uh, I remember being at Pitt and. Uh, Coach Junko, our defensive tackle coach, used a lot of the Steeler techniques. You know, use your 
use both hands and your helmet as a as a uh, a triangle for taking on blocks when you would two gap and things like that. And you'd know better than I would, but it seemed to me that Coach Mitchell was is you know as respected of a assistant coach as you'll ever find. You know what I mean? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, you yeah. know, if you look at the guy, um, you know, he was he was the first black player. Uh, he and another uh, gentleman were the first two black players at Alabama. He yeah. was a he, you know he was a captain on those Bear teams, Bryant, right? Under Bear Bryant, yeah, then yeah. you know was hired by Bear Bryant as an assistant coach. Um, you know, so you know you're talking about a guy who has direct lines to, yeah, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Sure, sure, uh, right, right, right. Before he came to the Steelers, he was on Bill Belichick's staff in Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when when Belichick got fired, it just so happened the Steelers were looking for a defensive line coach, and boom, there it is. You, you get uh, John Mitchell, and he's you know one of the best of all time at that at that position. And you know, even to this point, uh, you know there. If you look at um, the Steelers' situation with that defensive line, I mean, Mitch was still at practice all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. But even at that, Carl Dunbar, the Steelers' defensive line coach, played under, you know, trained under Mitch. Yeah, I was going to say, he has Bama ties too. And, you know, right. So, I mean, you're still getting that same similar style of coaching. Now, the one thing that they do now, you know, back in, you know, when in, in the day before they went and, and got to, you know, Hayward and, and to it, um, you know, those guys weren't expected. They're necessarily, you rushed the passer, mm-hmm. but you didn't rush the passer. If you know, <laughs> you weren't, you know, Atkins or Aaron Donald, yeah. or, you know, right, right, right. You know, now they're asked to, to do more of that dirty work. They don't two gap quite as much as they used to. Um, but it, it's still, um, you know, many of the techniques that John Mitchell taught the Steelers still employ. Yeah. And that's where I was going to go with this next too, is, you know, I, I didn't realize the Belichick connection, but Coach Mitch then worked for at least four Hall of Fame coaches. You know, Bear Bryant, Belichick, Tomlin, <laughs> Cower. You know, so they yeah. always had a profound effect on him, and he had a profound effect on the defensive linemen. But that's what I was going to say is the Steelers' techniques were much different than what the rest of the league was was coaching at that point. You know, I mean, it wasn't carbon copy. Um, you know, I'm sure that's not how, I don't know if he was brought up with those techniques or not, or if he had to learn them or whatever, but everyone remembers, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't say that cause I'm an old man now, but I remember the days when you could get Joey Porter and Jason Gilden in the third round. Cause nobody was running the same defense as the Steelers. Right. They were yeah. first round type talents. And the same was true with noses and three, four ends. And, but you had to coach them up cause nobody played that stuff in college. you know. Right. They didn't. And, and that leads yeah. me to where I wanted to go and, and, and appreciate everything that John Mitchell did. And again, his story's a great one. Um, you know, well-deserving of, 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 you know, the go off into retirement, enjoy yourself. And, and yeah. uh, you know, he, he put his time in, in, in the NFL 50 plus years of coaching. Um, that's, that's a long time. You know, yeah. we had a psychiatrist or psychologist, I mean, that used to come talk to the pit organization two or three times a year. And he was great. And one thing I remember about him is he said, there's kings and there's king makers. And Coach Mitch is a kingmaker. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. no one knows that he's the one at the podium or whatever, but he makes, you know, Bear, Belichick, Tomlin, Cower, the king. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the Munchak's millionaires, the guys that, that, you know, Mike Munchak helped make millions of dollars taking an undrafted guy. 
largely the same thing with John Mitchell. I mean, he right, took right, right. he would take these undrafted guys and turn them into stars. Brett Keith was a seventh round draft pick. That's it, right. Yeah, you know, Chris Hoke was was undrafted. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, these guys these guys made a lot of money off of you know, and I I know they all appreciate everything that he did for him. But the tough love, uh, used to used to always right go there. over and watch Mitch uh, coach and listen to what he said to those guys because you'd often get a good chuckle out of it. <laughs> it was like a. Yeah. <laughs> I reference Mike Lombardi a lot because I read his book and I listened to his podcast and he's been around the block too. And he's like, the best D line coaches are lion tamers. They, they have their whip because the, the best D linemen are obscene athletes. A lot of them can lay in the prairie and not work real hard. And then when they decide to go get the antelope, go get the antelope. But, you know, Steeler D linemen, Never would you say, yeah, that guy takes a lot of plays off, but his highs are good. You know, they're every they're they all run to the football, they all play hard. Some of them are more talented and more successful than others, but effort was never an issue. No, no, for sure. Um, so when I was uh, looking up some of the stuff on on John Mitchell for my my story uh, that I that I wrote today, my five for Friday, um, I was looking back over the Steelers drafts, Matt. Mm-hmm. And I did so in, in the in the eyes of, okay, how many times have they had uh, a, a situation where they had a two three premium picks, three premium draft picks? Oh, okay. Not often. No, it hadn't happened often. So I, I look back at it. Uh, really, you know, I think you go back to the 2004 draft um, and – that was, of course, the the Ben Roethlisberger draft. They had they had earned it that year. Um, yeah. There's no fans or butts about it. But they didn't have three premium picks that year. They had two, right? And so and so they took um, Coakley got, at thirty. Got Roethlisberger at eleven and Coakley at thirty eight. And they got Max Starch in the third round, which worked. Max Starch well. in the third round at pick seventy five. Well, I looked yeah. at the premium picks as, as two picks in the top forty. Mm, okay. Or even what they have today, like three picks in the top fifty. I mean, I right. Can't, and and to, to get into that situation, you really have to go back. So they had in uh, two thousand one, and this is the one that interested me. Okay, they took they traded back three spots and took Casey Hampton at nineteen. Mm-hmm. Then they traded up to thirty nine and got Kendrell Bell. So they had yeah. picks nineteen wow. and thirty nine, which is so very similar to the spots where they're at now. Yeah, exactly. And completely changed that defense. Yeah, right. I mean, talk about changing the front seven overnight. And in this case, this year, you're gonna you could wedge one pick in between those two. You know, if right. one was a trade down, one was a trade up, you know, maybe there's a tackle or a tight end or whatever in there too, or corner, you know. Yeah, so, yeah so, and Hampton and Bell to this team. They went in two thousand, they had the seventh ranked defense in the league. It was a good defense. You know, it wasn't a great defense, but they had some of the pieces were there. The Joey Porters, the Aaron Smiths, you know, guys like that. Then you added Casey Hampton and Kendrell Bell to the equation, up the middle. And Bell was an immediate superstar from what I remember. Without I mean, a doubt. Yeah, he was he, he was the defensive rookie of the year. Um, yeah. they, you know, just tell him, hey, go get the football. I mean, he was kind of Micah Parsons last year. I mean, he was like that type yeah, of – Yeah, he was like that. Right, right, right. Um, but that transformed that defense – they were number one the next year in two thousand one. After take after taking these guys, they went from from being seventh in total yards to number one 
And they wow. were number one in total yards allowed by like 300 yards. So wow. basically a full game's worth yeah. of yardage that they were number one. Was the nose tackle the missing piece? I mean, I remember they had know, Joel was... Steed. Okay, but he had to be coming to an end. Well, he he had just been drafted a couple of years earlier, but he was going to be oh. a free agent. Because uh, okay. Steed was drafted in, uh, I'm looking here. I got all this stuff here in front of me. Anyway, so Steed was, you know, he was he was going to be, or I'm sorry, Kendrick Clancy uh, was there as well. And they had okay. taken, they had yeah, taken yeah. Kendrick Clancy the year before. Uh, in the third round, but but obviously they looked at it and said we're going to stop the run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are going to stop the run. Now maybe the game is played a little bit differently today. There's no, there's no maybe about it. It is, oh, of course, to a certain degree. Nineteenth pick this year. Yeah, yeah. But so many teams are now going back to running the football. Did you get ahead of the curve a little bit and 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 take a guy like that? Now he he better have some pass rush ability, mm-hmm. but are we overlooking a guy like Brian Barisi at seventeen? I don't think we are. I would. I think he would be a fine pick and could do a lot of Cam Hayward stuff. Um, I don't have a great example to put it because Barisi is tall. He doesn't look like Hampton. I mean, there, right. there aren't many Hamptons out there anymore. But he could play the nose. Right. Right. I'm with you though that why are teams running the ball more? First of all, I think it's easier on their O linemen who aren't nearly as talented as the D linemen they're trying to block. They get to deliver the the blow instead of taking it, accepting it. Yeah. Right. And I also think a huge, huge trend, especially this last year, was defenses are saying, we're going to defend the bo- we're going to defend the run with lighter boxes. We want to, we want two high safeties so we don't get beat over the top and therefore we're going to give up a little more per carry if you can sustain consistent long drives as the Steelers did, we'll live with it. But I also think to your point that there might be some value in Linval Josephs and Namakong Sues, who were just picked up mid-season by a Super Bowl team, and pure, almost pure run stuffers. I mean, give me a little push in the passer, or but if I'm gonna, if I'm designing a defense to play with a lighter box, if I can put not Saragusa and Adams, but you know what I mean, like yeah, yeah, serious beef between the tackles, and let my my thin linebackers that are built for cover be protected and still have two high safeties, you're not going to stop the run like these Steeler teams you're referencing, but you'll be able to compete that way. Well, and you also have two very good, uh, you know, basically defensive ends in that situation. If you've got your base three, four on the photo, even if you, even if you're playing in the nickel, you've got TJ Watt and and Alex Highsmith screaming off the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might, yeah, you know, you're you're looking at a, one one of those. You know, T.J. Watt is probably the best pure pass rusher in Steelers history. I think so. Yeah. So you're going to get negative no, plays. No. Right, 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 right. And so, like Cam Hayward can't push, push. I mean, get an interior yeah. push rush. So I, I just looked at that. I'm like that. You know, and, and then on likewise, are we overlooking? And again, I, I'm not one. I, I'm. I'm beyond the point now where I think that you should take an inside linebacker in the first round, mm-hmm. but 32 or 49. 
Right. Now, now I'm going to consider it. So I know this isn't the exact angle you were talking about, but I plan, we've done this a long time, and I was about to bring up linebackers if you hadn't, believe it or not, and shocker. But I would rather, to go to extremes, I would rather have Casey Hampton added to this team than Earl Holmes. I was going to say Kirkland, but he was too freaky. And what I mean by that is I can afford to get slow and big and old school at nose, but I still want Fred Warner as my linebacker. You know what I mean? They're right. Just, right. Because they have to cover first. Yeah. No, and, I hear you. Or where you draft them necessarily. I mean, especially from round two on, but on this throwback conversation, I don't want the old school thumper middle linebackers. Yeah, I mean, those guys don't fit anymore, but I think, no. you know, it, you can find guys in that, in those, you know, second, third rounds. Talking and speaking of Fred Warner, that's where he went. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Leonard, you know. Yeah, that these guys are, are running cover guys who, oh, by the way, also stop the run. And mm-hmm. if you have a, a Casey Hampton like nose tackle, yeah. keeps, he keeps those guys clean. Exactly. Exactly. And, Truly, the Casey Hamptons were the, you know, Will Fork and Hampton I always lumped together because I thought they were the prototypes, the best of their era. And now you want them more Vita Vea. You want them to be 6'5", and maybe they don't have quite as good a leverage, but they can run a little bit more. But still, if I could get Casey Hampton in the second round this year, you know, who's just an anvil, he's going to be useful. Yeah, you're going to find ways to use him and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, uh, you know, to me, I, I just look at that, and and you know, when I looked at at the improvement that that team made, they went from being nine and seven to having the best record in the AFC the next year. Yeah, and they I did it with that. that defense. And a big reason was their two draft picks, right? Yeah, I mean, those yeah. guys. I can remember writing a story about that uh, for a playoff preview. I did a big feature on on what Hampton and Kendrell Bell brought to that defense to help transform it because the offense was the offense i mean it wasn't a great offense on those for those teams right but the defense became dominant and it was then dominant for the next decade i say for years too yeah, yeah. Got so Mitchell. absolutely but uh yeah we're gonna take a break he is matt williamson i am dale lolly and you can subscribe now to the drive on steelers nation radio every episode we do is available for you to download subscribe today through the steelers mobile app the iheart radio app and wherever you find your podcast. He is, again, Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. This is The Drive. We'll be back with more right after this.